Amen and amen. I have always loved the verses from Roman 8 that we heard Ken read today because they remind me of my grandma. It also reminds me of the, the mothers of the church that I went to when I was small. You see, they know how to pray without words. And they lived hope when it seemed that there was no way out, no way forward or backward or sideways or up or down. Those women knew how to pray. It specifically reminds me of my grandma and her front porch. My grandparents, who had nine kids, used to live in a row house, but not that kind. <laughs> More like this kind, yeah. <laughs> Back then, these were called shotgun houses, and the saying is that you could be at the front door, shoot a gun through it. It would exit the back door and not hit anyone. It was a straight-through three-room home. Back then, we didn't know that we didn't have enough. Back then, we had it all. My grandparents' house also had a, a bench that was built on the side of the porch for additional seating. And then there was twine that went from my grandmother's vegetable garden that was on front of the house and the twine went up to the ceiling so that she could raise her pole beans and I have to tell you there is nothing like fresh butter beans <laughs> thank you Kelly <laughs> our, our fresh green beans right off the vine I spent many a day sitting on her porch listening to her pray although I didn't truly understand it then she was one of my primary caregivers when I was small and I knew when something was worrying her. I knew when something wasn't right because I had learned her moods. I had learned her senses. I could sense her aura, her spirit, I guess. And on those days when she was upset or worried, I knew to stay out of her way. <laughs> I knew that I needed to be on my best behavior. Yet I also knew that it was going to be a day on the porch. It was going to be a day of moaning and a day of prayer. You see, my grandmother wasn't that big a talker, but she was a deep prayer. She would come out on the porch and sit in her rocking chair. She would fire up her pipe, or she would bring out a bushel of purple hurl peas or some okra and begin to rock. It was a slow, steady meditative kind of rock. She would rock without saying a word. She'd just sit there puffing on her pipe or shelling her peas or cutting her okra in complete silence. I'd sit on the porch floor or maybe on one of the cement steps in silent witness as she rocked and prayed. Eventually, I'd look up at her, and I would notice that there were tears rolling down her face. And a hymn would escape her being as a soft humming. Yet it was a hum that resonated the pain or despair that she was feeling in her soul. And it sounded a little bit like this.
She was invoking the spirit. She wasn't in a moment of pregnant worry. She wasn't sure about what to do about whatever it was that she was struggling with or was burdened with, yet she knew where to go to get a little help and hopefully a clear way forward. Most days if I were present with her, I would feel the spirit come around her, engulf her, and embrace her, and rock her like a mother rocks a child. Momo would rock, and cry, and wait, and moan, until she was all cried out, or perhaps until she received the help or the hope that she needed. So on that front porch, In those moments, sitting on those steps, I didn't recognize that I was receiving one of many spiritual lessons that I would get, that would help me get through life. The one thing I did know in that moment, that I did understand, even then, was that life is hard. And she taught me that you always... You need to hold on to your hope. Now, unbeknownst to me, my grandmother was preparing me to live a life of faith. Not a life of surety, but a life of faith. She knew and I witnessed that life was, is, and will be hard. But she provided me with an example through her life that even when I have done all that I can, And it is not enough to get through whatever situation or circumstance that I find myself in if I remain open to the Spirit's presence, to the Spirit's guidance, to the Spirit's help. Life may not work out the way I envisioned it, but there will always be a benefit beyond the struggle. That even when life is hard, God's intent for us is always good. My grandma taught me how to pray in and with the Spirit, how to wait on and watch for and work towards God's movement in the world, in and through God's creation. She taught me that things may not always be just, but I needed to hold on to hope. 
I believe the faith lessons of my grandmother is the lesson that Paul was trying to get the church in Rome to understand. That there may be many things that will try to separate us from the love and intent of God in our lives that will attempt to separate us from each other. And that will attempt to separate us, quite honestly, from our own sense of self-worth. Paul, in explaining to the church in Rome that life can overwhelm you, he was telling them that life can cause exclusion. Life can cause distress. Life can cause persecution. Life can cause division. Yet God's intent for us is good. And when I say our, I mean all of us. But you know, learning something and practicing it are two very different things. I I don't know about you, but these days... I've had a hard time holding on to hope. It's hard to pray from a place of invocation. It's hard to wait patiently upon the presence of the Spirit to intercede on my behalf or the needs of those who are being oppressed and who are being excluded. Our world is chaotic right now. Like the Roman church, we live in a time of division. We are divided within our state within our country, within our world. And the truth is, much of this division is our making. Like the Roman church, we want to divide ourselves. But you know, when, when we believe that it is our right and our responsibility to dictate where other people go to the bathroom... When we punish local police forces for not racially profiling people who are brown, when we incite official misconduct and say it is all a joke, it is hard to hold on to hope. When we separate ourselves with labels like liberal or conservative or blue-collar and white-collar or pro-life and pro-choice, when we are pro-American, thus we have to be anti-immigrant, when we decide that others can only be pro-black or pro-blue, as if one is exclusive of the other, it's hard to hold on to hope. When we watch as our Department of Justice dismantles decades of civil rights that have protected women and minorities, when it reinstitutes mandatory minimums for marijuana use, and when it steps up policing of communities of color, when we watch as law-abiding, undocumented immigrants are separated from their families and sent back to countries they haven't seen in decades, it is hard to hold on to hope. When we see the unrest in Venezuela, in the Philippines, in Chechnya, between the Koreas, when there's heightened saber-rattling in the U.S. with Iran and Iraq, Mexico and Canada, Australia, Qatar, it is hard to hold on to hope. I have to remind myself 
of the lessons of Paul to the Romans and the witness of my grandmother. Because they remind me that the present state of this world with all of its chaos is not God's final word. I have to remind myself that Paul's words are not merely speculation. They are the foundation of our faith. They are our hope. And that is why we as a people of faith must pray our creator who art in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. The hope I hold is that we are in the midst of the birthing pains of God's good intent for all creation. The hope I hold on to is that we are experiencing the first fruits of the Spirit as people around the world are engaging in intersectionality of all creation and of all people. The hope I hold on to is that we are beginning to seek points of inclusion and we're rejecting either our thinking and deeds. The hope I hold on to is that we are beginning to understand our interconnectedness with each other and with all of God's creation. The hope I hold on to is that people are rising up and resisting and persisting for the good of all people and all of creation. But I'm not going to kid you, it's hard work co-creating God's good intent for the world. Yet it is the work we are each called into as co-heirs with Christ. On the days when I began to feel weak and weary, I go back in my mind to the porch of my youth and to listen for my grandmother's humming. And I seek the Spirit's embrace. I sigh and I cry because I'm worn out momentarily from the struggle to birth God's justice into the world. And I remember as I rest that God is still working for our good. And as I rest there for a little while until I feel my hope restored by the Spirit who has prayed for me, I wait and I listen for that hum. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
when you're feeling a little weary from the struggle, sit with me for a while on that porch and allow the spirit to restore your hope. There's room next to me. Will you join me? Amen.